head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast the pride of limerick the young man named sean sheehan the mma media don graham mcdonald the severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot. And I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 229, part two of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today, not by Graham McDonald, by Andy Stevenson, who steps in with me here. Uh, on short notice to talk about all the fights because uh, I've had a bit of a bit of a family bereavement there this evening, so uh, we have to kind of rush this out and get it going. And myself and Graham can't do it, so but to, to, everything's grand anyway. Thank, I know you're all con- condolences and everything. Thanks very much. And um, look, we'll take my mind off. We'll get into fights. We'll talk about them. Andy, how are you? <laughs> that bad way to what? start it off. I'm sorry. <laughs> how are you anyway? That's a fantastic interruption. What's the crack? I should. Never like Graham anyway, so yeah, he's a bit of better a prick, isn't he? He is a bit. Yeah, he's better off without him. Yeah, we are better off. Without he, him. he let you get the brunt of that Richard Kiley interview, so I think really the the aggravation was directed towards him. So he was like, where was the where was the Graham reviews? Uh, it was funny though when I like said, uh, "Oh, Graham's over there." He's like, "I'll have words with him," and Graham was like, "What the fuck is he having words with me for?" <laughs> I like, that was very funny, but yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, fuck Graham anyway. He's no good. But come here, I haven't seen any of last night's Bellator. So you're going to run us through this. Jesus. I actually saw, I, I, I'll tell a lie, I watched, uh, I saw the Adrian McKee knockout in in, uh, in eight seconds. So let's start there. This guy. In, in gift form. Yeah, in, it was on Twitter. I looked up, I saw, I looked up the results. So Adrian McKee had watched uh, one in eight seconds. I was like, okay, I can, I think I'll have time to watch that in this unbelievable <laughs> rush here this evening. So I think I can it. squeeze that in. He's, <laughs> this guy is, is legit, isn't he? He's unreal. Oh, he's he's unbelievable. Um, he's just getting better and better and better as well. I kind of I, I'm kind of the same yourself. I didn't watch the fights live last night, so I caught up with some of them uh, today. But um, he looks unbelievable. He was in his dad's corner earlier on the night, so his dad it was classic Bellator, just complete gimmick fight. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of going back to their old ways. But yeah, his dad had a very boring fight with some other uh, lads, and you did you did well. He got to knock or got a TKO and knocked him down, beat the shit out of him on the ground basically. But um. You can tell that AJ McKee just looks like he's really maturing into like a real solid fighter, and his IQ of the game is just very good. Like he was in his dad's corner, just giving him really, really insightful, like um, very direct um, instructions on what he needs to change up as far as his game plan, and it worked out well. Uh, but he just looks phenomenal. Like mm-hmm. he's, I mean, you can't really look at much in an eight-second KO, but like Jesus, he's he's looking serious. Like he's definitely. Probably like one of the favorites for winning that uh, tournament, but I suppose there's a lot of competition in there. Yeah, and it's funny as well, you know, looking at the the Irish fighters this weekend. Oh yeah, and if you're expecting us to talk about Belter Dublin here, myself and Graham actually did another podcast. Uh, so this is a two two part podcast this week. So go over and listen to episode two two nine part one, and we we'll, we talked all about Belter. I'm sure we might mention Belter later on because Andy was there with me. But you know, looking at the fighters there at the weekend. Uh, you were talking about, you know, Kiefer Crosby, James Gallagher, maybe needing that little bit of a step up to get to kind of the next level. You look at AJ McKee's record, you know, he has Justin Lawrence uh, at 11 and no, the fight before that was Brian Moore, which everyone in Ireland knows that's a, a real step up there. Now the last two fights, Pat Curran, Georgie Carcanyon, you know, not maybe the best fighters in the world right now, but still two solid good guys and Daniel Crawford before that as well. We know all about him. You know, this AJ McKee, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, he's getting this step up with me. Yeah, but if you look like between Georgie Carcanyon and Pat Kearns, Pat Kearns, what, 30 fights, 
Georgia Carcanyon's now uh, thirty eight fights, I think it is. Yeah. So that's what sixty eight. Like, like that's a that's a lot of experience under his belt to be facing that. Um, I suppose like if you if you think about the Pat Hearn fight, he kind of got a bit of criticism after that fight that it wasn't exciting enough. It was a very kind of tentative fight, mm-hmm. and really just kind of a smart game plan against like a vet Pat Hearn. But like talk about like introducing yourself as far as like the tournament goes and kind of kind of going into the next phase of it with that knockout is insane. Mm-hmm. Like he kind of. I suppose if we can dive into the fight itself, so basically everyone can see this in the space of eight seconds as we're all aware. Like the second fastest knockout in Bellator history, and AJ McKee as well. So he's about fifteen now, now. And I, how old do you remember? Do you know how old he is? I think he's twenty two, twenty three. Young, still young enough anyway. Yeah, he's young enough, but he's the he's tied third in Bellator now for the most KOs with six mm-hmm. in Bellator history. So. Uh, but yeah, he, so we've got to break down the fight. So he came, basically came out, took the center of the cage. Both of them were came out in southpaw, threw a kind of right hook, and uh, Kirkanyan kind of parried it. And so as he kind of parried that shot, as he was reacting to it, he, he changed his stance back into orthodox. And then as he went to change back into southpaw, um, McKee just threw the exact same kind of right hook parry uh, that he parried before, didn't land it, and then just smashed him with the left hook. Mm-hmm. Took, hit him to the ground, uh, went to the deck, followed him up, knocked him out, French raid, waved it off. And then just like, it was like hell unleashed, uh, absolutely jumping around the cage, on top of the cage, screaming, where's my motherfucking belt? Like, it was a very impressive, like... Do you know what? Uh, I, do you know what I thought kind of watching that as well? And I, we'll talk about it later on. And it was only eight seconds, but Adesanya versus, um, versus Whitaker, and you know, I, I suppose I'll, I'll leave it to later on, but... His ability to switch stances so quickly and land that shot so quickly reminded me a little bit of an Israel Adesanya, his ability to do that. And like, okay, AJ, 18 seconds, or 8 seconds, sorry, isn't much to, to look into. But as you broke it down there, you know, AJ McKee, he, he is legit. And going forward in this featherweight tournament, you know, we, we saw the likes of uh, Daniel Voitschel getting a will there last night. And, uh, you know, Darian Caldwell and some of the other ones as well uh, in over, over the last while. You know, someone asked me in the Q and A as well: Is there any is there any match for for Pitbull? You know, AJ McKee might be that match for Pitbull. He is really, really good, and you know, he's it's it's hard to see anyone beating him. But what, did anything else? I know you didn't get to manage to, to watch all of them. But give us the results there for the the featherweight tournament and stuff, and uh, anything you you thought stood out. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't get to watch um a lot of the fights. I saw the McKee one. And I I did watch the Pitbull one as well. So I can break that down in a minute. But uh, Daniel Weitzel defeated Saul Rogers by unanimous decisions. So that was 29, 28, 30, 27, and 29, 28. Uh, I do want to see that one, but it, from what I heard, it was fairly clear results. Um, and the same with Darian Caldwell beating uh Henry Corrales. So same again. Unanimous decision: 29, 27, 30, 27, and 30, 27. Um, so they progressed on to the the next round. Um, so then Pitbull was up next against uh, Juan Archuleta so it was kind of weird because they were the co-main so the way they, the way Bellator did it was initially I think Pitbull and Archuleta were supposed to be the main events and uh, Machida and Musashi were going to be the co-main but they had this uh, featherweight grand piece pre-selection show oh, yeah. so they wanted to have that before the main event I believe mm-hmm. so that I don't know basically because people wouldn't tune into it which was actually pretty good um, but I suppose we'll maybe talk about the Pitbull fights first. So mm-hmm. the Pitbull Archuleta fight, it wasn't great. It was like, it was fairly, it was an easy decision for Pitbull, to be honest. Um, he just kind of was landing more of the action to kind of round one. It was very tentative. First piece of action was a groin strike, I think about 90 seconds in. And then uh, Archuleta threw a head kick, lost his balance. Pitbull had a guillotine attempt for about 90 seconds. 
had him against the cage, kind of like on the ground against the cage, knee to the body, a few heavy strikes down the round, so it was, wasn't really much happened. Um, the second round was an eye poke. Um, Pipple basically just controlled the centre, kind of landed the more impactful strikes. And then it was a lot of just pressing against the cage, exchange of positions, kind of the both cancelling each other out there. And then uh, <laughs> the round ended with Archuleta through probably the most pathetic cartwheel kick I've ever seen in my life. It looked like he just fell over. Um, so that was Pipples round again, round three, Archuleta again. Fought. I don't know if there was something wrong with the cage or, like the, or if the cage or the mat was just slippy or what, but people just kept on falling over throwing high kicks um, so Archuleta fell over throwing a high kick um, and then Pipple um, smashed him with a huge right counter um, so that knocked him down he again got, he was gone for guillotines all night um, Archuleta got back up and again just got more pressing against the cage um, and then the fourth and the fifth were pretty much the same there was a lot of just kind of like Archuleta was just he seems to just telegraph his punches he seems to telegraph his takedowns he was shooting from double legs from like halfway across the cage and like people just easily kind of sprawled out and went for guillotines on a number of occasions or took his back and pressed him up against the cage and it was a fairly easy decision I think I had it the fifth round was kind of you could, you could have gone either way but I think I had a 50-45 in the end for Pitbull the official scorecards were 49-46 50-45 and 49-46 so mm-hmm. it was a, a fairly easy night um, at the office for Pitbull yeah I think that 145 pound tournament is working out pretty well for Bellator as well because you know we know how good Pitbull is maybe he wasn't you know, as you described there, maybe it wasn't the best fight in the world. But Arculeta at times can be a, a hard opponent as well to look good against. You know, we, uh, you talked about AJ McKee, Darian Caldwell, Vichel, you know, Pedro Carvalho as well doing good things. There's a couple of other guys there as well. So, you know, that tournament is, is looking good, to be honest. And it's a pity I, I tweeted out they should move the Pedro Carvalho fight against Pitbull to uh, to Dublin. And uh, John Gavin mm-hmm. replied that they can only have it on, on US uh, soil because of the, the zone deal. Uh, so that's a bit unfortunate. Uh, but look, that that's the, the way it goes. But that, that 140 yeah, It's still pretty huge, though, that yeah. Pedro Carvalho is fighting for the title. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, do you think, and I suppose maybe this is a bad question to ask at this time, it'll take more of a, uh, more than the 30 seconds time we have here to answer, but do you think Pedro Carvalho might be the best fighter in training in Ireland right now? Oof, that's, a, that's a bold statement. Um... Uh, are you including Conor McGregor? Well, apart, yeah, apart from Conor McGregor, I, I don't, I don't yeah. know if he is, but I think he's up there. Like, I think he's very good. That his Maybe. last fight, especially, I thought he was brilliant. I know they're different weight classes, but uh, I love to see Pedro Carvalho versus Norman Park. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think he's a relatively small. Although the last day I was talking about Brian Moore versus Red, so I, 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 I never know yeah. what weight classes, what weight classes. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, it would be a good fight. Norman Park, like Norman Park, might be one of the most underrated fighters in the world. I think because he's not. Yeah. He's not the best fighter in the world. Don't get me wrong, but he's such a tough guy. Like there's, there's not many people on earth. You know, maybe the top ten in in the UFC and and a couple in Bellator and stuff that you think would. His style, his style is so yeah. grueling. Yeah. It's so grueling. Like, he just takes everything out of you, makes every position difficult for you. Um, yeah, yeah, he's 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 a class fighter. Like he's not mm-hmm. he's not the type of fighter you look at and think, oh, you're not going to see a big knockout from him. But like, mm-hmm. he just makes it hell for for his opponents. Really, that probably answers my question as well. Who's the best fighter in training? Our, although he's training in Poland now, isn't he? So maybe <laughs> got out of myself for that one. I think. Well, he did for his last camp anyway. He's been like. Seven or oh, eight right. weeks Didn't in Poland or something like that. So yeah, I could have that totally wrong now. But I think I think Sean Denny be the man to ask about that. Sean now. Denny, KSW K- expert, KSW yeah. guru. Yeah, uh, but yeah, look, we'll, let's finish off this Bellator card anyway before we get yes. into the rest. Uh, so basically, after the the Pitbull fight, what they did is they had a selection oh, show. Oh yeah, yeah, so yeah, tell us about that. It was, it was pretty cool. Yeah, so um, 
they basically handed out these cards just with numbers one to eight or seven, I think it was, mm-hmm. or seven or eight, um, with the just to see who could choose first. So they could either choose the date that they wanted to fight in. So it was December, February, or sorry, December, January, February, or March. Yeah. Um, so they've kind of spread it out. And then obviously you could choose to fight a specific opponent. So the first four, nobody chose a specific opponent. So AJ McKee, the first choice, he chose December. Adam Boris was next, he chose January. Uh, then Caldwell, Darren Caldwell chose March and called out Pitbull. Um, so Daniel Whitechill then was number four. He chose February. So at that point, is the next person had to choose an opponent. So Emmanuel Ch- Sanchez chose Daniel Whitechill. Um, even though so AJ McKee, kind of the way they did it was they they'd walk up, they'd go up to the mic. I think they were at the is Jen Brown. I think is her name the um, the reporter there for Bellator. Mm-hmm. But um, they were given 30 seconds to make their choice. So AJ McKee was going to scream at, Dan- at uh, Emmanuel Sanchez to call him out. He didn't want to do that. So he wanted to, Daniel Voigtel had beaten him by split decision before. So he chose him instead. Then Derek Campos chose AJ McKee and had one of the, I don't know what he goes, he just starts shouting out. He goes, AJ, bring the skillet. I'm going to scramble your eggs, what? which is just horrendous <laughs> trash talking. <laughs> just absolutely awful. Um, and then so Pedro Carvalho then chose Darian Caldwell and so Pipple was just left with Bort, Adam Boric in January but the way they do it is they give the champion like a champion's clause so he was allowed to choose if he wanted to to shake up the bracket and just choose anyone he wanted Ooh, and choose like his own opponents yeah so that was pretty cool I like that aspect of it so it was pretty it was pretty cool to watch like I, I thought when you kind of heard about the tournament like, you don't know how these are going to go out like if people are going to get injured or whatever but it seems to have played it very well and I like the way they did that like just for kind of uh, stir up a bit of excitement uh, with that show so Pitbull was left with Boric um, he basically asked he's like alright who wants to fight me and then so he said look I don't want to fight till March because he's just fought five rounds so he's like I had a bit of a war so I want to fight in March so he had the choice between uh, Pedro Carvalho or Darian Caldwell so he just turns and goes to Caldwell he goes you're a loser I choose Pedro Carvalho <laughs> so so that's how we got a title shot anyway and now so Boris and then that's, Caldwell are, are fighting each other in January that's fucking crazy I, for, I forgot that there was a title shot on the line as well so Pedro Carvalho is yeah so he's defending the title, title every that's fucking yeah. crazy that is like it was crazy. on the that's why it was really weird because the co-main event last night was five rounds and then yeah. the main event was three rounds so hold on I, I need to watch this I, this sounds brilliant so he decided to he decided to pick Pedro Carvalho. Do you know an amazing thing as well? Is there any teammates in this? Like, imagine if Brian Moore was in this, and it ended up yeah. with the only two left were like Brian Moore and Pedro Carvalho, and they had to fight each other, even though they're both teammates. Like that's that, like there's a lot of lads around there who won't, won't fight each, you know, teammates. Yeah, what's going to happen then? Like, I wonder. That's that's hard to imagine. They like. could, if they did a like a one thirty five pound tournament, that could easily happen with the SBG guys. Yeah. Yeah, it's mad so Yeah, look, it's good. I like Bellator doing shit like that. I know it's a bit gimmicky, but uh, the way you've described it, I, I'll go and watch it now. Probably won't be as good as you do. So you did a good job of describing that. But uh, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that as, as you know as we talk about going forward. But um, this Musashi Machida fight, it was everywhere. Everything yeah, I read about boring. it was just shite. Was it? What, was it yeah, just it two of them looking at each other for three rounds? Yeah, do you know it was. It wasn't the worst fight because you kind of like even I knew the the outcome anyway kind of going into it mm-hmm. but I was kind of watching it and you're it was very much just a chess match they're both trying to counter strike but just because like Leoda Machida and like I suppose Gegard Mousasi is like less so being like a big massive knockout artist but anytime Leoda Machida's fighting you don't know what he's going to throw so you kind of had that kind of you're on the edge of your seat like oh like who's going to hit land the first punch or who's going to get a knockdown here but it really just nothing really happened like first round 
really tentative, just throwing leg kicks at each other. Uh, Mufasa kind of had a right counter that kind of half knocked Machida down, but he kind of caught, he kind of turned and caught himself. Uh, just, like he used his hands to stop himself from hitting the canvas. Um, but that was really it. So it was kind of Mufasa kind of edged that out ten nine. Um, again, second round they're both just waiting to counter. Throwing Mufasa threw a lot of oblique kicks. Um, Musashi threw a few kind of combos, but they didn't really land. Uh, and again, he was just kind of more active. And then again, so he kind of I had imagined that around 10-9 so 2018. And then Machida started throwing a bit more. He kind of landed a few body kicks. Musashi um, was kind of countering with combos as Machida was throwing high kicks. Machida threw a, a head kick, but Musashi kind of knocked him off balance into the ground. And then Machida had a guillotine attempt. So. You could kind of go either way. I think I had a 29-28 Musasi in the end just because Machida's guillotine attempt at the end. He kind of finished out the, the end of the fight with a guillotine attempt but it wasn't really going anywhere. Yeah. It seems, so it was fairly, it seems fairly as well now, like, you know, everyone was kind of talking about Musasi getting an immediate uh, rematch for his title and I suppose he'll get the, the rematch now after this even though it wasn't a, it wasn't a great <laughs> fight. So was, you know, this fight was kind of... He was saying that... Uh, yeah. that um, uh, I can forget his name now. Jesus. <laughs> He was saying he's on the monkey juice is what he is how he described it in that interview. I didn't watch it, but he was saying he was juice to the gills in their fight. So fucking hell. These, Classic these, Musashi. These, these things happen in MMA. But uh <laughs> yeah, look, these that'll probably happen again anyway. But uh look. Uh, anyway, while we're on Bellator, there's like a one fight card next week. Uh, Andre Karishkov versus Lorenz Larkin. Should be fun. Not going to break that down. Who cares? Uh, side of on the card as well. Joe Schilling, footboxing, probably get taken down and lose. Karyan Melendez. Uh, and uh, oh, and Atoli Tokov is on that as well. The dude from the that Fedor fight from uh, from years ago. And there's probably loads of people on the undercard that are good that I've never heard of as well. But sure, look. Yeah, anyway. Right. Uh, we're going to give a good breakdown of uh, Adesanya versus um, Whitaker in a second. But let's just have a look back at uh, the the UFC Denmark card. And I'll, I'll run through this pretty quickly. I know you didn't see uh, manage to see all of it, but I, I watched uh, most of it. Um, and I suppose, that, you know, the main event, Jared Cannonier versus uh, Jack Hermanson. You know, I, I was... I was surprised by how this went, to be honest. I, th- I think Jack Hermanson is a very, very good athlete. I'm talking about this last week, and I think when it was announced as well, uh, I thought his, his biggest problem maybe coming into this fight was the level of athlete that Jared Cannonier also is, uh, and maybe his inability to dominate uh, in that area. And I think that was it, because Cannonier was just, maybe not faster than him, but just as fast as him. And... Uh, Hermanson wasn't able to, you know, get in on those takedowns like he does so often and just, you know, butcher a guy to the ground and pull him down again on top of him and, you know, beat him up and be, you know, be faster in the striking with his his legs and his, the way he moves, I always say he moves like a, like a flyaway, you always, I always look at Jack Hermanson's legs and just see, that's like, you know, he's more like Dimitri Shantz's legs than, than a middle of it legs, but Jared Cannonier was able to get, keep with him and he did very well and obviously in the second round, landing that uppercut, uh, hurting him badly and you could, it's one of those ones that, you kind of you barely see it but you know by the reaction of the person who gets hit with it that he got hit with it and then he was hurt and he went down and he obviously finished him then and the crowd were uh, put into silence but um a big win for jared cannoneers and are you high on jared i have been high on jared cannonier for a few years he's had his ups and his downs but i've all whenever you see a guy like that who's so fast and strong and hits hard and seems to be improving there's always something there isn't there are you a big fan of his yeah, he seems to have done really well since he came down to middleweight. He mm. he started off at, at heavyweight, he did, didn't he? Yeah. His UFC yeah. career. That's mad. The opposite of Rumble Johnson. Yeah. Everyone should be the opposite of Rumble Johnson. <laughs> Johnson 
doesn't really. I know he's coming back now, and he's. Whereas, oh, he's got the heavyweight again. Yeah, so he's, he's, he's going to he's super, super, super heavyweight, heavy doesn't? Yeah, yeah, super heavyweight. Yeah. So fucking. But uh, yeah, look, um, I I forgot to give my uh, my ratings for the fights as well. I, I'll give them I'll give them all here as we go. So I'm gonna give that one uh, four point six. Not not a, not a bad fight. It was an okay fight and a very good performance from Jared Kinnear. Uh, the James Gallagher fight that we did the other day, five point three, and given that this twenty seconds, there wasn't much in it. But I love an exciting, yeah, quick. quick fight like that. And I'm gonna break the rules here. Usually, I need to do it for main events and title fights, but for fights I'm at live, I'm gonna make an exception and I'm gonna give it to great fights I'm at live. So here we go: Peter Quigley versus Ryan Scope. The big eight point oh. eight point four eight point four. At least that was a fucking smashing fight. I was brilliant, wasn't it? It's pr- definitely the best fight I've ever watched live. Because I've yeah. watched the two cards. Yeah. <laughs> it was up there. <laughs> to me, it was up there with, with Pindred and uh, and Mike King. It was definitely up there. Someone said, oh, you can't compare them. I was like, you can go and fucking bear them. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can. You yeah. absolutely can. I think, yeah. like, I mean, you, you, I mean, I was sitting beside you, kind of, uh, like, Hayside. side. Mm-hmm. And when Queeley got hit with that kick, like, I was kind of jumping up. I was like, oh, yeah. he's, he's out. Like, he's out. Because his head kind of, like, uh, kind of snapped back and hit, hit the canvas. And you kind of, you're looking at his eyes, like, is he, like, is he all there? But, I don't know, like I don't know where he got. Like he's just so so tough. Mm-hmm. Like the, I, I think I was listening to uh, Brian Moore and Paddy Hoolan breaking the the card down kind of prior to it, mm-hmm. and I think Brian Moore just said he, that um, Queeley's the toughest man he's ever met in his life, and you can kind of, like you can kind of see yeah. where they're coming from now. Like, you're you kind of always it? hearing that from. Him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like Jesus, like I don't know how he came back from that, but like. Incredibly, mm-hmm. there's no other way to describe it as, as incredible. Yeah. Unbelievable performance. I felt like it was a little bit more insane than the Pinder one, even because it felt like more of a prolonged beating. But maybe it wasn't. I know. Maybe I'll have to go back and watch yeah. the Pinder one. But it was, it was, it was excellent anyway. And maybe we'll talk I about. I think. I think it was what? a little bit different to the Pinder one. Like the Pinder one, was. it just seemed to be very much prolonged. Like he was taking a beating, but then it was like he was in kind of submission holes for a long, long time, mm-hmm. and it just seemed to be. Like he was kind of was taking forever to get out. Like he was just drowning in in, in kind of the pressure and, and the, mm-hmm. the attempts that Mike King was putting on. But with this, it was more like it was like a yo-yo kind of like where you thought Queen was completely out, yeah. and then it just completely reverted to the other side, and he he knocked uh, knocked Scope out like or a TKO'd him. Uh, but yeah, unbelievable. It was insane. It was insane. And maybe we'll talk about Cardigan maybe at, at the end a little bit. But um, yeah, this uh, this Timmer card anyway. Marco Madsen went in there and got a TKO and. A minute, uh, a minute and 12 seconds, you know. Look, looks obviously a very good athlete, Olympic silver medalist. Well, we can't take you were calling for him to if I could be, right? Really. Ha- give, him, give him a beep straight away. Let's make it fucking happen. <laughs> let's have light. some fucking fun, Jack. Let's, let's do it. Um, Gilbert Burns versus Gunnar Nelson. I don't know. Did, did you manage to see this fight or not? I didn't. I did, I okay. How did Gunny look? Not great, to be honest. I, I like. You know, so Graham said last week he's better hands than Gilbert Burns and Nobler, I think, tweeted him in and goes, what the fuck are you talking about? And then he tweeted him after the fight again. <laughs> you know, Gilbert Burns basically beat him on the feet here. He landed some lovely leg kicks. You could see Gunnar yeah. Nelson's legs getting getting kind of hurt throughout the fight. Um, was was Burns a lot quicker than him? Or how, I suppose, how, like, what was the he speed difference? Yeah, like, I, I don't think it was more, I think it was more output than speed. I think Gunnar Nelson yeah. is a fast fighter, but... The output and speed at which someone like a Gilbert Burns fights, Gunnar Nelson can't really live with that now. I, f- I feel like he's... It's again, it's a fighter coming up from 155 going up a weight class it, too. Yeah, and I feel like Gunnar Nelson's game has maybe... I think the game maybe has overtaken Gunnar Nelson a little bit because he, I remember myself and Graham talking before and he's very good striking. Like Gunnar Nelson has hard striking, he has accurate striking and he has unbelievable uh, ground game, but... 
the middle bits between them, I don't. I don't think he puts the ground game and the striking well together. And I also don't think. And it's obviously being very harsh because we're talking the top fifteen in the world fighters here, uh, and that's the level you know he's been at for the last few years. So you have to be harsh. But I, I feel like out the level of output you need to thrive at a division below two or five these days is high you you look at any of the yeah. stats and the reason all the time I, re- I read that book that the ufc sent out with the the stats and how the, the strike rate has risen and i i i haven't looked it up but i feel like if you look at gunny nelson's strike stats they, he doesn't throw half as many strikes now maybe that's his tactic to get the fight to the ground and everything like that but i don't think he's his wrestling is particularly great in comparison to what he's fighting and the the you know the ability to uh to take guys down i know you know jujitsu is an odd thing but at at the level where he's fighting fighting lads who are maybe top just outside the top 15 i think his level of jiu-jitsu is so good that he, he could beat a lot of them now when he gets to the top 15 top 10 top 5 it's it's going to be a lot different um but i feel like he he needs to go full damian maya here and i said that a while back as well and just forget about the striking forget about everything go go full wrestler out there and get this fight to the ground just go and train for six months with daniel carmier or something and and work on yeah. nothing but your wrestling i feel like gunnar nelson needs to become more of a one one uh dimensional fighter and that's a weird thing to say yeah it's a I really like weird thing to say in this I, day and age as well yeah i feel like he uh, and he has the other dimensions already but he i think he needs to do you think, do you think he needs to kind of go somewhere else to train for a bit? Yeah. Kind of, kind of reinvent himself? Or, that, that was I know, funny. Like he, tra- he, kind of, he goes between Iceland and, and Dublin. Mm-hmm. But someone someone actually, someone actually asked me that in the q and I, uh, I just recorded before this, but it won't be out till after this. So someone asked me that on the Q&A. And I said, <laughs> it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because I think he, if he had gone yeah, to ATT or Tunisia, someone like that, like, yeah, if he had gone there two years ago, would he have improved more than he is now? I think without a shadow of a doubt but he also has you know a child and i'm sure he's you know he's married yeah. and his other things as well it's people just can't up and leave now you know and then i mentioned someone like you know like a paddy pimblet who i i don't believe he's married don't believe he has any children or anything like that he trains in a good gym but i think for half the year he should be training over an att or over in yeah. you know, you know with, with habib or wherever someone in some top 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 gym his own gym is a very good yeah. gym don't get me wrong but I f- and he, he has done that he's gone and trained in New York I believe he was training with Hinzo Gracie and stuff for a while so he has done it but I feel like he could be doing it more and he's had injuries and stuff as well but fighters like that you know maybe it's a bit too late now for Gunny Nelson unfortunately and I, I, he's not going to reach the world level I don't think I, I'd be very surprised if he did and yeah. you know, it's, it's a short career a, a returning Paddy Pimlet also a return, yeah he's coming back in November yeah that, that was a that was mentioned, but um, yeah. and, uh, jo- a Joe McCalgan call him out too. Yeah, that could be uh, tasty. Yeah, I don't think. Look, I don't think that's the right fight for Paddy Pinlet coming back right now after you know losing a couple of fights recently and getting back from from injury. I think they have to be smart about it. Yeah, get him back. Ah, take it to fan. Take it to fans, Sean. Nah, Come on. No, nah, they have to be smart about it too. No. But anyway, I, right, I, we've enough. we've had like ten fucking uh, detours from this uh, Denmark. Let's yeah, get it over sorry. now. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm supposed to be a host in this motherfucker. I'm useless. This is the most off the rails podcast of all time. But here we go. Come here. I have a question for you on the, the on. Denmark card. Yeah, is Ovin Saint Pru really good, or are MMA fighters really stupid? Uh, he is the best worst fighter in the UFC. He's even better than Derek Lewis. You know, he is the best worst fighter in the UFC because. <laughs> he's, he's useless like he's sorry open sempru is a terrible fighter who's brilliant was it who was it was it Bala Muhammad you say the opposite of was the, the best worst fighter 
Yeah, I think I was actually. Yeah, he's he's up there, isn't he? He's a very good fighter, like, and he's not that good. well. There's a few of them like that, actually. But yeah, he's up there. But fucking Ovin Saint Pro, he can't jab like he can't throw a fucking jab for his life. He never has been able to draw a jab. And last night in this fight against um the the Polish um yeah, John Phillips, Olechegchuk. The Polish John That's Phillips. Correct. He looks the exact same as John Phillips. He was just realized as so many people don't, that Ovan St. can't jab. So he just ran forward and started punching him in the face and it worked pretty well, <laughs> you know? And he just... Ovan St. took it and took it and took it and then halfway through the second round, he got him in the... He got him in the Von Fluchok and, and chucked him out. You know, he gave it up to him as well. As Ovan said, he it was funny. Um, Who who was it? On? Felder, I think, on commentary. Uh, asked him afterwards at in the uh, in the interview. He's like, "Oh, how'd you do it?" And he walked him through. He's like, "Oh, he gave me the hand. He went for guilty." And I'm like, why did these lads keep giving it to me? <laughs> and it's like, he's like, yeah. everything. Everything kind of goes for him as well. Over and bro. He's one of those lads. He's yeah. He's awkward and big and strong as well. So look, fair play to him. Um, and other than that, uh, Ian Kutalaba uh, had a very good win against uh, against Khalil Roundtree, who I thought would actually win that fight, but. Uh, Kutalab is one of those guys he blows hot and cold at his best he's fucking brilliant and at his worst he's not great but I, I think he's underneath it all I think he's a very very good fighter um, and a good win there I obviously got him down and TKO'd him on the ground with, with big elbows um, then Nicholas Dalby came back in a fight that I thought Alex Oliveira would win to be honest I thought it was a tough fight for Nicholas Dal- uh, Dalby coming back into the UFC uh, and it was a that you know every Alex Oliveira fight, every Nick uh, Nicholas Dalby fight it was a tough back and forth. In the third round, in in the second round, there was actually a weird stand up and a weird move by the, the the referee who was horrendous. And in the third round, near the end, Alex Oliveira was on top right, and he was landing strikes maybe with a minute to go around that, and he stood him up. I was like, it was one of the worst stand ups I've seen in a long time. And Nicholas Dalby went down, and he hit him with a, I think he, he got a takedown he landed a few shots in, in mount maybe or side but he landed enough shots to take a close round if you know what I mean it wasn't just a takedown laid on top of him for 30 seconds he, he was a takedown or he landed on top maybe it wasn't a take but he landed on top anyway and he landed those 10-15 strikes that you need to take around like that whereas if Oliveira was on top and maybe landed 2 or 3 he would have won that round because uh, Dalby didn't so the referees for me changed the whole outcome of that fight and the whole result and maybe he did it in the second round as well people argue you, you know so it evens out but it doesn't even out you know you fucked it up twice so we we don't get the result of the fight that we might have gotten but overall Nicholas Alby I know you've watched a lot of Nicholas Alby's fights in Cage Warriors and stuff he's well deserving of his place back in the UFC he seems to be a great guy oh, and it's a great, great such a good story like the, mm-hmm. just the storyline alone just like it's, it's going to get people to tune in like how can you not like a guy like that who's kind of overcome depression and alcoholism and then had an absolutely insane like I mean he had that fight with Philip Mulpeter which was a, a great scrap mm-hmm. and then that absolutely insane one with um uh, I'm forgetting his Houston, name again. Ross Houston, Ross Houston, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, like that was absolutely nuts. Like, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, how can you not get behind Nicholas Dalby? Yeah, hundred percent. SB Irish fighter now too, right? Yeah, SBG. Irish. Although John, John Kavanaugh wasn't in his corner, I, I don't believe last night, but uh, was he, he was in the corner of Gunny Nelson. He was in the corner of John Phillips, who we'll mention next. But Busy uh, man. yeah, maybe maybe because Nicholas Dalby was just over and um. Over. Did about 60 or 70 fights the night yeah. before as well. 97, I believe, I tweeted last night. Uh, 97, yeah, was it? Michael Chandler replied, that's a lot. And I was like, oh, yeah, maybe you can fill out a spot. And he was like, yeah, I'd love to fight in Ireland. So, yeah, maybe I, if, if Michael Chandler ever fights in Ireland, you can all thank me for it because uh, uh, it's all down to me. But, um, How about I, um, Mike Chandler versus Peter Greeley? I was thinking that was the first thing I thought of. Yeah, let's make it That'd happen. Be great. Let's make, Michael Chandler versus Paul Redmond. That's what I'd like to see. 
that yeah you gotta take use of those fights let's make that happen uh, right <laughs> this thin rat card is going on forever John Phillips won by KO in 17 seconds just came oh, out KO. Made, that was one of the ones I actually saw yeah that was good wasn't it talk Jesus, through it it's terrifying yeah He's, it wasn't much to talk to it was basically just like <laughs> punch him in the face Adam, Emma Dowski came out started swinging and Phillips was like oh we're doing this okay fuck this and yeah. just cleaned him out yeah, brilliant. That's that's what that's John Phillips wants. Techni- technical analysis right Clean there. Clean him out. Clean him out, indeed. Uh, Lena Landsberg won as well. Um, Mark J. Casey, my boy, Team Sheehan, beat Team Patrick Sheehan, Lando Vanata. There's one for, for me. Uh, leg kicks beat the shit out of him. Uh, Mark J. Casey. Best, best fight of his career. Best performance of his career, was it? Without a shadow of a doubt, I think. Well, yeah. yeah it was, it was really, really good. Very, very good. And uh, your boy, Jack Shore, came in there and got a submission. I love Jack Shore. This guy, he's he's making waves as Jack Shore. <laughs> yes! That, that was a b- is absolutely awful. That was my best tweet. This, this is worse. Than, this is worse than the lads coming up to you calling you the Podfather. Yeah. <laughs> How many people you were sitting alongside me for the whole night? How many people called oh, me the Podfather? How many? Oh, I, I don't think I've heard anyone calling you. I think you heard you, you call yourself the Podfather a few times. <laughs> Loads of people call me the Podfather. What are you talking they're, about? They're like Sean. Sean, you're like that's oh, Podfather, man. Podfather. Who, who, who are you calling there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd, I'd say at least at least 15 people call me a pod god you, over did. you, had, a, you yeah. had a few adoring f- actually yeah. sh- uh, shout out to Mrs. Gallagher also yeah James Gallagher I actually gave her a shout out in the first podcast no. you haven't fucking listened oh, yet did you? So, oh sorry never liked oh, Jim, but yeah, she's a great woman podcast, isn't she really. number one fan Number one fan. She is in fairness. She and what was she saying? Like, uh, Pete, you're very, uh, <laughs> you're very uh, slow and, and you don't say much. And then he got the shot. He's full of life and stuff. So I was like, oh yeah, like I'll take that. I'll take that uh, every day of the week. But uh, yeah, great woman. I'll do. Actually, while we're here, hold on. Uh, I have to give a shout out to. Um, oh fuck it, I'm in the wrong account. One second. Bear with me. There was. Um, I think it was Shaolin. Let me just look. One second. One second. One second. One second. Yeah, Shaolin. Um, in Galway, do you know the MMA club over there? I believe they had a fire during the week, and a lot uh, there was a, a big a big issue there. So uh, one of the lads there asked me to give them a shout out. You know that a lot of the lads there li- listen to podcasts and stuff. So you know they have a great team. I've seen a lot of their fighters fighting on the Cage Legacy cards. I've gone to over the last couple of years. Uh, so hopefully them lads can get it all back together. And you know, think of it. Yeah, that's horrible and, uh, there. Yeah, if anyone is, you know, and give them a hand or anything down around there, or you know, they, maybe they yeah. can. Um, you know, if if they need anything from us or anything, f- feel free to, to give us a shout and when we'll uh, we'll try. Do they to say if the the place is still good or? Yeah, is I, I don't know. The, your man was talking to there wasn't hundred percent sure, but he said you know they yeah. they had a fire, so you know I said I give him, I'd give him a shout out anyway. So. Yeah, it's obviously terrible news to hear, and best wishes to, to everyone yeah, over there. Hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent. Um, right before we get to this brilliant card. Uh, at the weekend, Cage Warriors had a card as well at the weekend. Uh, Tom Aspinall got a big KO there uh, in 56 seconds. I managed to see that came out and landed some big shots. Uh, Adam Vintra, there was a friend of mine actually over there, so he told me about a, f- a few of these fights. He said Adam Vintra looked really, really good, landed a big spin and elbow. I actually saw it looked, uh, looked good. So the BMF I, of Cage Warriors. <laughs> that's the man, that's the man himself. Uh, Donovan Desme, he's a, he's a legit maniac <laughs> and he comes out and he lands big shots and, and uh, uh, gets gets uh, rear naked chokes on, on lads like Tim Barnett who's been around for a long time Alan Proctor everyone was talking about him uh, above Beltor last night saying this is the guy you all need to watch in this uh, Cage Warriors card and apparently he looked very good uh, as well in there again uh, Luke Shanks beat uh, Pedro Mienga and uh, Adam Wilson defeated um, Mac Pronani I believe I pronounced that 100% correct. Right. Definitely wrong. Right. <laughs> Let's get to this uh, Melbourne card. I'm going to start calling it Melbourne now, like the, the people. Uh, apart from the top two fights here, and I almost called you Graham there. 
Is there anything worth watching? Is. is there any one fight here worth watching apart from the top five? You know, you know, watch all these prelims. You know, these lads are way better than me. Anything worth watching? Um, let me look through this card here. God. Let me let me call out some of these undercard This fights. is Khalid Taha versus Bruno Silva. Jamie Malarkey versus Brad Riddle. Kalan Potter versus Mackie Pitolo. Justin, oh yeah, Mikey Patolo. Do you know him, do you? No. No, no I didn't, didn't, didn't think so. Justin Taffa versus Jorgen De Castro. This is That one actually could be a good fight. Really? I think uh <laughs> which one? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're taking the visit in there, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think I don't know why it's a good fight, but I think it's good. Yeah, good fair enough. Fight. I hope you're right. Uh, my boy Jack Matthews. Do one, on one of them train with Henry Cejudo? Have a clue. Junior Tava, he's a. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, moving maybe. on. Jurgen Castro, he was on uh, Dana White's Contender Series. He, he got the contract the night that um, Brendan, Brendan Lucknan didn't. Oh, I right. Believe, yeah, I don't know. If I'm correct. So he had a nice KO there, but he didn't really. He's an uh, L lad. I think he's like 38 or something. Fair let him, fair let him. You're not doing anyway, a let Sure look. Uh, sure look, yeah. Jake Matthews on the card. Megan Anderson block, still has me blocked on Twitter. She's on this card. Um, Luke Jamo. He was got actually last ever. Diego Lima. That might be a bad fight. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah. New Zealand lad. Uh, Tai Tuivasa is fighting Sergei Spivak. Uh, always fun to see Tai Tuivasa fight. So that's grand. And then we have the top two. Uh, I Quinta versus Dan Hooker. That should be a fun That's fight. That's a great fight. Yeah, that would like, be a great fight. To me, watching a guy like Dan Hooker fighting a guy like Alaya Quinta, it's can Dan Hooker beat the boxing of Alaya Quinta? Like Alaya Quinta's boxing, I think is maybe not underrated, but we see him sometimes against a guy like Habib, and Habib boxes him up for two rounds when he's kind of tired and beat up and change of opponent in like fifteen hours notice or whatever. And that's the, probably the biggest fight he's ever had, and people maybe think of that. But he's, you know, he's had a lot of other fights. Kevin Lee, twice I believe, isn't it? He beat he beat him and boxed him up, um, and he boxes lots of guys up. And if if Dan Hooker can manage to get inside and land some big leg kicks, yeah. manage to throw some flying knees like he does, and make it an insane fight, not a boxing match, I think he's a great chance. But if he gets pulled into that boxing match, it's going to be a tough night for him, isn't it? What, you, what way would you break it down? I mean, like, if you're looking at Dan Hooker, he's a serious striker. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at his record, like, he knocked out Ross Pearson, uh, so he submitted to Casey, so he's obviously well-rounded. Uh, then, who's the next? So, knocked out Jim Miller first round, knocked out Gilbert Burns, who just beat uh, uh, Gunnar Nelson first round. He obviously not lost to Edson Barbosa, but went three rounds, or it was kind of made, made it to the third round, Edson Barbosa, and kind of got knocked out there. But, I mean, like, he's a serious, serious runner. And then, Knocked out James Vick in the first round in his last fight, so he has serious power. And it wasn't so long ago that James Vick was kind of like seen as a, a very much an, an underdog and, and one to watch, kind of like moving up to the, the elite of the division. And obviously, he's kind of dropped a few since then, but I wouldn't be right off Dan Hooker by any means here. I, I could see him kind of getting it done, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, I think I could tell win, but I don't know. I think I think it'll be a close fight. I think it'll be a good fight. I, I, to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if whoever wins it, but. I mean, like, I don't know. Like, if I can, I can, it can sometimes be. I suppose this is a bad example, so because it was against Khabib, but like against in that Khabib fight, he's obviously thinking about the takedown. But it kind of got to the third, fourth round, and Khabib would basically just stopped going for takedowns. He, he was like, right, we'll, we'll just box it out. Mm-hmm. And I think was to be a bit disrespectful to be blunt. He was a punching bag for for three rounds. Khabib just jabbed the face off him. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I'd like to see him a bit more active and, and not kind of just sitting back and, and waiting for a counterpunch or anything like that against yeah. against Hooker because can do that at times as well. Yeah, 
uh, yeah, he can be, and he doesn't. He he can lead, but he he likes to lead with a jab. And as at the boxing, as I said, you know that boxing is great, but that's kind of my my breakdown. I I agree with you. I think in in the in like if Hooker can get out of the boxing and step outside the jab and land, land from a kicking range or kind of come in with you know big shots like a Rose Namajunas against uh, yeah. uh, against Yunjejic with that left hook over through the middle or something like that and, and the flying knees as I mentioned. He's going to be. He need to be very dynamic, and he's also going to need to break down the defenses of Alaykin to do that. And that's tough. That is tough to. Oh, maybe he can yeah. do it. Maybe he will do. It. I wouldn't be surprised if he did do it. To be honest, it's an even enough fight. But I feel like, I just feel like Alaykinta will be smart enough to get away from all those big attacks. He's a very worldly wise kind of guy, is Alaykinta. I think. Yeah. Uh, and took I, a lot of damage in that Cerrone fight, though, as well. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, look, you'd never know. I think it'll be a good fight either way, whatever way it goes. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, this main event, this main event. <sighs> God, I have a lot to say about this main event. To be honest, I've I've done. I just actually did the rewatch. There. I watched a couple of fights um for for both of them and and went back and and did a bit of analysis and that. So that'd be out on Patreon and on Thursday. But it's watching watching back fights of these. I I really think Israel Adesanya is going to win. To be honest, that's my main, main takeaway from this. Really? Yeah, I just think he's a much more dynamic fighter. I think his takedown defense is so good that he's going to take away Whitaker's best uh, opportunity to win this fight. Now, I, don't take don't get me wrong. Whitaker's a fantastic striker. He's up there with one of the, the couple of best strikers in that middleweight division. You know, maybe the second best striker in the middleweight division. He's fa- a fantastic striker. But I think Ad- Israel Adesanya is by far and away the best. And I think his takedown defense is so good. Uh, it's one of the best I think in the UFC right now. I think his takedown defense has just improved so much. That overhook with the left hand side and the control of the wrist uh, on the other side. And in that fight against Derrick Brunson, it forced him to go just purely gable grip behind his back because he was he couldn't take him down and he was he just wanted to hold on to him at the end. He got fr- so frustrated by good how good his his takedown defense is. Now Whitaker can change things up and I'm sure he can he can move things around. But I I, I think this will be a fight fought out largely on the feet and I feel like Whitaker. What Whitaker loves to do in his fights, right, is jab, break your defenses down with that jab, and then push forward and land output and go forward at you. And he, when he goes forward like that, he's actually less susceptible to to get eat, hit by strikes than when he's gone backwards. Now, that might seem a bit weird because when he's attacking, he's actually better defensively. But when he's actually standing back and he's being a little bit defensive, people can come after him and, and he leaves himself kind of a little bit open. So against uh, Adesanya, what's he going to do? Because I don't think he'll be able to jab up Adesanya and not see Adesanya move his head and come in and strike him when he's running forward, kind of hands going both sides, you know, with these big uh, left lefts and rights coming in. I feel like Ad- Adesanya will just move the head, pivot left and come in and hit him with a knee to the body or a you know, left hook over the top and change stances. There's going to be lots of cha- stance changes in this. I know, And I know maybe that's a, a little bit... Maybe not simplistic, but maybe simplistic in terms of how a guy is going to beat another guy. There's going to be changes up. There's going to be different things in this fight. But I just feel like that, the speed and his ability, uh, Adesanya's ability to take away someone's jab, as we've seen in the last couple of fights, has been brilliant. And I think Whitaker's main lead shot is his jab. And, you know, maybe you could say that for anyone, but I think the way he starts his attacks, the best thing about Whitaker is his attacks and his ability to put three, four, five shots together and push you back and take the fight away from you and make it a pain in the fucking hole. And he starts all of that with that forward rushing jab. If Adesanya can take that away, 
I, I can see Whitaker beating him on the feet and I think he will take him away and then the great take down defense I don't think he'll be able to take him down I think Whitaker's brilliant on top if he can get him down I think he could win that fight he could knock him out with T, uh, you know, TKO him on top but I, I can't see him getting there but yeah, yeah I feel like I'm very one-sided towards that as any here how, how do you see it do you, do you give Whitaker a bit more hope than me yeah, I think I have a lot more hope for Whitaker, but uh, kind of all my doubts about Adesanya were kind of erased in the in the Calvin Gaston fight. Like when I kind of saw the match against Whitaker, I just couldn't really see him not getting hit and getting taken down. But I don't know. I suppose that that's kind of still the big question for me. Like I know you said like his takedown defense is amazing, but like we didn't really see Gaston go for mm-hmm. like he didn't really use his wrestling much at all. It was basically a full stand up fight for the entirety of the five rounds. So. That'd be my my only concern with um, with Adesanya just kind of going like going against someone like Whitaker in, in that regard who can kind of mix it up in in many different ways. Not just like he's not just going in against a wrestler like he can he can use his striking to set up that wrestling. Um, but then on the other side, like Whitaker's only fought once in what, two years now, yeah, and that was a split though. decision that like back to back wars with Yoel Romero and the amount of injuries he's had. Like you just there's not that's not going to affect him to some degree mm-hmm. I don't know maybe I'm wrong like, but maybe he'll just come back and he'll look better than ever but I mean he's been through the wars with injuries and, and just hasn't had that cage time so yeah I don't know like the momentum's kind of in, in Adesanya's favour coming into this yeah it uh, it definitely is without a shadow of a doubt and it's interesting because you make a great point about the injuries there a lot of you know we look at Dominic Cruz and go hey you can come back from the injuries like that and okay I don't think it was bad as Dominic Cruz but he's he's had his injuries yeah, over the last it's while it's a big difference though in middleweight but to to bantamweight like as far as the power and yeah that's true but uh, and Dominic Cruz is just kind of an example but he's like the the outlier in these things most people don't come back from injuries and be as brilliant as he was then and I think Whitaker is good enough to come back from an injury like that and beat almost anyone in that division but Israel Adesanya is a different beast. He really, really is. As you, you know, you mentioned that Gastelum fight, and it's maybe not the way the fight went. It's maybe not the best fight in the world to look at when going forward to look at this fight. But what one thing you can take from that fight, and the main thing I think I took from that fight, I knew how good Adesanya was, and I think everyone knew how good he was. But when you're a fighter like Adesanya and you dominate uh, a lot of people, and you know you come through some fire and stuff like that, and a lot of it's usually takedowns and improving your takedown defense and learning that but when you get into an absolute war like that a fight of the year contender when your face is is burst open when your opponent's face is burst open you're gone at it and you know no one's getting finished but this fight has gone five rounds and i have to gut it out and get through it he showed he had that as well and when you have that coupled with the insane ability what you have is a special special fighter and he definitely is that and uh, you know whitaker's a special fighter as well he's a fantastic fighter a really great fighter and if he wins this fight this is one. This is this is one of the best victories in in UFC history for me because, as you mentioned, with all the injuries, with coming back, with everyone kind of maybe not everyone doubting yeah. him, but if he can, and I one thing as well, but his game planning I think is fantastic. So me saying, you know, what I think will happen in the fight with the jab and everything like that. You know, maybe he won't even come out like that. Maybe he'll come out something else with a kick heavy game, a leg kick heavy game. We've seen people kick. Actually, the front leg side kick as well from Whitaker is very good. We saw Brunson land that uh, a couple of times against Israel Adesanya. So that maybe that's the thing where he switches up the jab and just kicks on the outside from along uh, a, lot, a lot of the time from the start and tries to get Adesanya to come into him. Maybe that'll open up the takedown a little bit more and, and change things around that. So there's definitely a possibility of that happening. Um, and you know, I, I just feel like Adesanya will still win it, but it's going to be a great fight, isn't it? I can't wait. Yeah, I think I think Whitaker will make it an absolute dog fight, mm-hmm. but I think um, 
obviously with that Gaslam fight, that's going to, like, not only, uh, obviously Whitaker is coming in, he hasn't fought in a while, so from that perspective, Adesanya has the momentum, but also he's gone through that war now and psychologically yeah. that's going to do wonders for him. Like, 100%. he's like, this, this fight could easily go where he's dragged to kind of the, the different depths and like, he, he knows now, like, if you kind of, making parallels like Peter Queeley like Peter Queeley talked about like he, he knew that he just he'd been there before like he's he's gone through that adversity and he knew he could just pull through like it was just kind of like a mental thing more than anything like just not giving up mm-hmm. and Adesanya going through that Gaston war he knows that he can he can push through and he's not going to kind of just just succumb to the pressure or the power of, of Robert Whittaker that you know, he'll have to put him out like to, to finish him mm-hmm. 100% 100% uh, yeah and I suppose uh, that's it from the Australian card last thing here before we go Tell us about your experience. That was the first fight card you covered, I believe, wasn't it? What, what did you think of it was. fight week and, and covering the card live and everything? What, did it meet your expectations? Was it any different? Was it any better or worse? Yeah, it was great. It was um, it was cool to, I suppose, kind of, you kind of have, you, you follow the sport as a fan and you kind of, you have opinions of fighters or whatever, but then you kind of see everything that goes into the fight week, all the various meat obligations, the, the weight cutting, um, just like you see fighters kind of, Literally, at a moment's notice, um, I think it was like Fabian Edwards. You did an, uh, an interview with Fabian Edwards, mm-hmm. and the first thing, as you, as you stopped interviewing, he was like, "Right, what are we doing now?" To his coaches or his managers or whoever it was, he's like, "Okay, we're going to train," mm-hmm. and he's like, "Oh, where are we train? I'll oh, just open the hotel room." So, like, the commitment that goes in from the fighters, like, you, that's the little things that you don't see, like just at any given opportunity they're looking for a way to better themselves to train more. And um, the way people, is, I, I was very very impressed with James Gallagher. Um, mm-hmm. He gets you just. I mean, it was talked about in the the post fight media scrum that you guys had and stuff. But he gets so much shit online and mm, probably deservedly so to an extent because that's the persona that he's portraying and and that's that's what's that's why he has the Jimmy Show. That's why he's he's selling at arenas and he's a, a polarizing figure. But if you look at the way he treats people in person, it's just so different. Like it's so different in the way he treats anyone really, and, and the way his family are, and, and just like. Uh, we were try- kind of getting kicked out of the media the area or not mm-hmm. getting kicked out but they were trying to move along to the next uh, batch of fighters on the media day and he was like no 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 it's fine like I want to get to every single outlet and that was kind of cool to see and then I suppose on fight night just seeing everything that goes into the production um, the it's a lot of work uh, that you guys do kind of running back and forth kind of getting interviews figuring out what's going on watching the fights updating the website all that stuff so it was, it was a cool experience and yeah mm-hmm. uh, I hope to do another one. Yeah, should be fun. It was a bit of crack. It was good for me as well. I liked it. I, yeah. I thought you. I thought you when you said there uh, when Fabian Edwards came over. I thought you were going to say you couldn't believe how quickly I came up with an interview and all those brilliant questions straight away to ask him. I thought that. No, was you were shit. You were probably the worst part of the, yeah, the week. Well, class. I mean, yeah. I uh, actually, another thing was yeah. I think we we talked about during the fights was one of the one it was a body shot or a body kick. Yeah. I think was Carl Moore. No, oh, yeah, was, yeah, I think yeah, it was yeah, uh, yeah. Carmore and Lee Chadwick, yeah, that was and just it's the spray off the body was oh, absolutely yeah. nuts. Yeah, I've never seen so anything the, the like that. Things, you don't see, you don't yeah. see that like on just being so kind of so close up to it. You don't see that on, on TV. Yeah. And then Molly McCann was um, she was it. great crack. Mm. She was unreal crack. Um, so Molly McCann was kind of in the general area that we were in, and she was, I think it was Peter Queeley's walk, and she was going nuts, like loving it and like, singing along to Sweet Caroline, just kind of really taken in the moment and, and she, she was great crack like just kind of having the crack with the fans like signing autographs taking photos everything mm-hmm. so just um, you get to see kind of a more personal side of the fighters that you don't you don't see and it's easy for fans to kind of criticise people and, and talk shit as I have done I'm sure many times online um, but you get a kind of new, new uh, respect for people yeah you definitely do. I don't think anyone in that arena 
enjoyed it, it more than Molly McCann, to be honest. She was loving it, wasn't she? she no, happiest person, <laughs> happiest person in the arena. I came back, by from, far. Uh, I came back from an interview once and she was sitting by seat, and I was like, Jess, what am I gonna do here? <laughs> Yeah, I was like, oh, I don't want. I don't who, who are you? Um, yeah, I suppose aside from Peter Queeley, mm-hmm. who are you most impressed with on the cards? Norbert Navigny, I think he's fantastic. I just think he's brilliant. Yeah, like watching his fights coming into it. He's I, only nineteen. Yeah, like interviewing Will Flory, I kind of I was asking, like, he's very good, isn't he? What are you going to do? <laughs> I, was, I was genuinely like, oh, and he Will Flory, I thought he made a good job of it. Like, to be honest, because some chi- Will Flory, some chin, yeah. And I know like, he got he, I, when I say he, he did a good job of it. Okay, he lost probably the first two rounds, the ten eight. But when you're fighting someone like Norbert Navinia and you're Will Flory, you have to go straight at him straight from the off. And I think over the first mm. minute or so, it was that. But Navinia's class, he's just brilliant. Like, and it's you know, oh. I, I think I, I think Will kind of I think he put up a post earlier on. He kind of described the Wells that like, he just kept on getting hit with those big overhand yeah. rights. Mm-hmm. Like I think at the end of the first, like by the end of the first round, he had gotten hit with I think three or four consecutive ones, and then the bell went. So he kind of got a little bit safe. I don't know. He might maybe would have continued on, but a little bit safe by the bell. But like I think he kind of addressed that himself in, in a post, just being like, I got kind of hit with a few of these overhand rights, and at that point, my just reactions were were gone and couldn't keep up with them. But uh, yeah, very very impressive. Navinian and only 19 that London Shoe Fighters Club is Brilliant. a row of killers there they're really really impressive yeah I was impressed with Brian Moore as well the, the professionalism he had with the, the interviews and stuff as well he was very impressive but, uh, yeah. yeah do you know actually one person just to, before we go um, Richard I was Kiley, very impressed oh, no. not well I know I thought Kylie handled it very well like he was kind of once he, he finished it I mean he tried to there was a kind of bit back and forth in the there's a lot of commotion in the in the in the cage after. Oh, I was I was talking about the interview, not the cage. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nah, Richard yeah. Carney was every had every right to say everything he said to you. You're yeah. an awful prick. Yeah, he's dead. But um, the, the, the uh, I didn't the, the Ian Cochran Nusaria fight. I was there's a thirty twenty twenty seven scorecard there. And I didn't really didn't agree with that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But anyway. But um. Who? Sorry, I'm just pulling up the card. There was, that was one. That was Kieran the, Clark. That's yeah, the one. That so Kieran Clark was, was the dark match at the end of the night, mm-hmm. and he put on an absolute clinic against George Courtney, like completely dominated, and got the third round submission. So shout out to to Kieran Clark. It was a very impressive pro debut. Yeah, most people wouldn't have seen that as well. So fair play, I didn't no, even see it. Yeah, <laughs> mostly yeah. mostly arena was gone because yeah. the the way what happened was the it was that in the, the Danny Nealon fight so that was a bit weird the way Bellator did that I think they should have just put them both at the end because they kind of there was a, a big a real lull in the crowd then once obviously you had Peter Queeley then you had MVP with a big knockout and then you had James Callagher going coming for the main event so it was a bit of a, a dip in the in the crowd level but um but sure, look, these things happen. They do, they do indeed. Right, I suppose that's it. Andy, thank you very much. You've been on the podcast. You were on the it was a pleasure, before, weren't you? So it wasn't your first time, wasn't, um, your, wasn't your yeah. debut necessarily? But debut on the main podcast, I suppose. So uh, you did it well. Is. Fair play to you. My Thanks. voice is gone here. I didn't see half the fight, so you did, and and a great job of stepping down. I might tell him yourself, to fuck yourself off and Patrick later. made it back to Limerick anyway. We did in one piece. We made it back to Limerick about the same time as John Cavan and made it to Denmark. So you know, fair play <laughs> to him. Fucking hell. But uh, yeah, we'll be back. Oh no, we went back. We'll be back to Cork in about five or six weeks anyway for that uh, big cage warriors car. So I can't wait for that. Ian Gary, I'll, and I'll see you there. Are you going? Yeah. Ah, yeah, may as well. All right, so we'll we'll have we'll have a bit of crack there, and uh, hopefully we'll see everyone else there. 
I'll, I'll, all that's left to do here, as I lose my voice and lose what a podcast is, uh, is give you the inspiration quote of the week. And actually, before I do that, listen to the other podcast. Well, if you haven't listened to it yet, um, the episode 229, part one, all the big Bellator breakdown, but uh, myself and Graham, he was watching home and I was watching the arena, so it was kind of a, a good way of looking at it from, from both ends. So there you go. Right. Inspiration quote of the week. You become what you believe you are. We'll see you next Tuesday. Or Sunday, or Monday, or Saturday, whenever we get out.